the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome back, everybody. Friday, that means it's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll talk about issues of the day like we normally do, or we'll talk about uh, if you've got a question about the Bible or an issue or just something else you want to talk about. Today is the day. We'll change the subject just for you, 888-528-2557. As we begin Hour 2, I do want us to... Uh, to go back and pay a little bit of attention to what happened in, uh, in Maui with the fire. The images are gut-wrenching. This wildfire burning across Maui, still not fully contained tonight. However, today the weather is cooperating and those powerful wind gusts are dying down. Tonight, though, we're learning that a growing number of people did not escape the blaze. The story as it grows is getting worse and worse. Um, Officials have confirmed that 55 people have died in uh, the wildfire fires that tore through Maui, um, and uh, that number is expected to go up. There are still some fires burning in Maui and also on the Big Island. However, the uh, Lahaina fire, I think that's how you say it, is now 80 percent contained, so still burning. Josh Green, the governor of Hawaii, said that the fires are the largest natural disaster in the state's history. And it does. It looks like a. He said it looks like a bomb went off, and it does. This is a, a helicopter reporter's thoughts as he flew over. Now this was unanimously voted on. Oops. From the air. Oh my God. The scope of the devastation in Maui is staggering. Look at this. On the ground. A smoldering hellscape of a community incinerated. The entire town of Lahaina on the island's western edge reduced to ash and rubble. It's all gone. It's all gone. It's gone. Many caught off guard in the middle of the night, unable to outrun the rapidly spreading firestorm. Some forced to flee to the ocean for safety as flames swallowed entire neighborhoods, including Lahaina's Harbor. If anybody's still out here, it's time to go. The story just keeps getting worse, and uh, the survivors are talking about their experience. You know, there's going to be a lot to pray for and a lot to... Uh, consider here. And uh, yesterday we had Pastor Greg Laurie on the program, the Pastor Scott Show, because Harvest Christian Fellowship, where he's the pastor, they have a campus uh, in Maui. It's only about uh, seven or eight miles away. And so many of their people in their church were affected by what happened. Obviously, they're personally suffering. Everybody's affected by it. Um, But they're also in a position, and I'm sure other churches are on the island, to really help with the recovery and I think right now really taking care of people. Here's some things that Greg had to say. There's around 140,000 people in Lahaina. And so everybody kind of knows everybody in a way. So this has been devastating for them. And and they don't have power on the island right now. Imagine that, yeah. no power. 
And uh, so the, it's been very hard for them to get word to us. We started calling them. We're concerned. Are, are these people alive still? And we have made contact with them. And we have members of our congregation who lost their homes. A number of people lost their businesses, their place of work. So uh, Franklin Graham, my friend, is there on their way over. Samaritan's Purse is going to be there to provide relief work. Our church, which is called Harvest Kumalani, will be there to offer spiritual help and help where we can assist people in practical ways. But right now we're just waiting for them to turn the lights on and we're assessing the damage. So we're still in a wait and see moment. And then in the very near future, within hours and and days, uh, we expect to start our efforts to help these people rebuild their community. That was Pastor Greg Laurie on our program, Pastor Scott show yesterday. And I find it, um, it just this story is getting more and more difficult, and it will leave the news, right? It'll be on for a, a few more days. You'll probably see something. But whenever there's these disasters, it leaves the news eventually. But the people who are on the ground, and maybe you've been in that situation with a hurricane or a tornado or fires. I know that many of you here in Southern California have had to deal with the fires. You know, the cameras turn away, and the attention goes away, and yet the ashes remain, And there's a role here for believers, and particularly the believers who are in that community, to be involved. And I think there's a role for the rest of us in the church to keep our our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are doing the work of the gospel, to keep them in prayer and to help them wherever it's possible. Pastor Greg went on uh, to say this about it. The Bible says God can bring beauty out of ashes. So that city is in ash. It's Mm. a burned heap of rubble. And we're praying that that we can shine the light of Jesus, bring the hope of the gospel, uh, the message of Jesus Christ to people maybe who have never heard it before, uh, and and do all that we can to continue to represent Jesus in this island paradise. You know, the thing is, uh, Scott, is that people you know often go to Hawaii searching. Oh, I'm searching for God. I'm searching for truth. I'm searching for myself, trying to find myself. And and they're in the beauty of the island. So you know, they think they'll find it. Well, what they really are searching for is God. Yeah. And so we're there to give them the gospel. And I think we'll be able to probably reach more people in the days ahead than we when we've ever been able to reach before. So. You know, we want to take advantage of the opportunity, but we also want to show God's love to people in a tangible way. We'll be there with food and with shelter and with uh, water and uh, practical things as well. But we'll do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're grateful for that. We're grateful for the believers there on uh, the island of Maui and uh for Harvest Church, of course, but also other Christian churches who are there. If you want to uh, see that entire interview, you can go to kkla.com and click the banner that says uh, Pray for the Victims of Hawaiian Wildfires, and uh, you can watch that whole interview there. Also, if you uh, would like to give through Harvest Church, just go to harvest.org, and there's a link right there where you can connect with that. Uh, It's a terrible thing, what's going on there, and uh, we don't want to forget the people that is something that goes on. It's an island too, so the is as you know. But the there's not like a bunch of trucks. Remember the uh, hurricanes that hit Florida last year? There were these pictures of all of these electric trucks and all of these different supply trucks and different things just lining up, ready to go in as soon as they got the all clear, and they could just drive in and uh, begin to fix everything. You can't do that on an island uh, very easily. You have to ship everything in. You have to fly things in. It's There's no place to drive. It's a completely different 
recovery. And here, I think it looks like the whole town, the entire town is gone. So keep that in prayer. And uh, I just don't want that to be to be left out of everything. All right. So this is Open Line a Friday on the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll take your calls on whatever it is you would like to talk about. Uh, here's a question for you, just as far as I'm, I'm thinking, what is our responsibility? How would you define our responsibility as Christians, number one, to people who are suffering in different parts of the world? All right, Hawaii, of course, is our own country, but what about people in other parts of the world? So uh, yesterday we talked about the protest in Glendale that closed down the freeway and the situation in Armenia and people being uh, starved to death and the blockade that's creating so much chaos that the Armenian people were protesting about. Do we have a role there or not as Christians, number one, but also as a country? You know, what ought to be our role with things like that going around the world. Do you have a thought about that? 888-528-2557. And uh, this is Open Line Friday, so we'll take your calls on any subject at all. So as you think about the question I just asked you, let's go to Brian in Redondo Beach, who has a different subject to talk about. Hi, Brian. Uh, Hi, Pastor. Uh, First and foremost, uh, I want to say, I want to give kudos to Greg Laurie for uh, all of his efforts. And uh, I just recently watched the uh, Jesus Jesus Revolution on Netflix. I recommend all your callers uh, do so. But my topic is uh, on uh, the, you know, back to the aliens. I know you've uh, had, you know, quite a few conversations about this. Um, The big, the million dollar question that I have is if, in fact, the government came out and said, Yes, we we know that there's other civilizations from other planets in the universe. How would that uh, impact our belief about Jesus Christ? Yeah, it's a great question, right? And the, you know, what do you think about that? What's your opinion? Uh, it's a, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. It's it's a very very tough question because then I wonder. Well, I mean, the universe is big, but uh, if there in fact other people, well, what? You know, my first question to them would be, well, what is your religion? Or do you, you know, what is your view on God? What is your view on, you know, so I don't know. I can't figure out God, but, uh, you know, it's an interesting question. Would it, uh, would it, just to explore this, because I think there's a lot of people with, uh, you have similar questions. And, you know, whenever we talk about this, people call. uh, Because I think it's on people's mind, right? What does this mean? What, What if there is life, intelligent life on other planets? Uh, and what does that mean spiritually? There are people out there who say, well, that means then the Bible's not true. And I don't know where they come to that conclusion, because the Bible never says that human beings are the only intelligent life in the universe. In fact, the Bible tells us, obviously, that God has created other intelligent beings. We've got angels and we've got cherubim, right? There's there's other intelligent life that God has created that's that's hard for us to understand because it's spiritual, right? It's interdimensional, I guess you would say. Um, so we know that God has created other beings that are relational and um, exist. So is it too far-fetched to believe that God might have other civilizations of some kind on other planets somewhere else in the great, huge universe? Uh, and if so, uh, what does that mean? And I guess, you right. Know, right, is that kind of where you're going with it? No, no, it, it does. But I think, the, you know, with, when, uh, you know, I, I'm a Catholic personally, but 
you know, the Holy Trinity. So, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So where does the Son fit in to that equation? You know, right. I'm not is, doubting Is there that. salvation or salvation even necessary for some other creature somewhere else? Right. And, and do the, you know, does that mean Jesus has to do this same thing he did on Earth over and over again? On, right. Here, here's yeah. my thought about that. I've thought about that, and people have asked that question. So here's my thought. Uh, number one, um, we don't know. I don't. I don't sure. I'm not sure that I believe that there's intelligent life on other planets. Um, but if there is, I don't have a problem with that. With respect to my faith, um, we don't know how God might relate to those creatures. And let's say, for example, I think this is to get to your point. You know, does Jesus does Jesus have to die uh, on each one of those planets where there might be other people? And there, right. there's obviously other differences. Are those other creatures made in the image of God? Do they have the same uh, covenants uh, that God has given, right? There's a whole lot to that. But my thought has been this. How do we know that those people on some other planet don't have uh, a Bible, that God hasn't revealed himself some way to people there? And that Bible says there are people on other planets, and Jesus went to that planet called Earth and died for your sins. And whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Right? I mean, we don't we don't know that we would have to believe. I think that God, in His love, would reveal Himself the way is ne- that's necessary for any type of civilization that He creates. And that that's kind of where I've come down is that number one, we it's totally speculative anyway. How would we even know? But we have to believe that God is fair, that God is righteous, and you know if. If it's necessary for the Son of God to go to all those planets, maybe it is. But I think God can do it however he wants. He could say, your salvation has been paid for by uh, Jesus on another planet. And maybe they fully believe that there's people on other planets because their Bible told them so. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the same question in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, does that mean all those people, they didn't know Jesus. So does that mean they're saved versus the New Testament when they did now we are saved. You know, it's a little bit... It still comes down to faith, even in the Old Testament. You know, Abraham was saved by faith. He he was not saved because he obeyed God. He was saved because he had the faith to do what God told him to do. It was credited to him him as righteousness, it says. And so we're all saved by faith. And I would think that if the same deal is going for some other uh, life form somewhere, let's say they're they're humans made in God's image, they're still. I would say they're still going to get saved by faith in whatever it is that God has revealed to them. That if they've yeah. trusted in that, then they get saved. That would be that would I, I would say that's the answer. I'm not saying that I believe any of that that that's existing, but I I think that if there is life on other planets, if we discover that one day for real. I don't think it changes our faith at all. It just, I think, puts us in a situation of being in greater awe of the creation of the universe and all the things that God has done. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah. I, there's no question that God created it. I think in this situation, I think it, you know, does it disrupt the Holy Trinity with the sun, you know, but then again. Yeah, hey, I don't, I don't, don't think it does. I yeah. don't think it does at all. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome, uh, Brian. Uh, and you know that that question, a lot of people ask that question. I've read articles about that where people sort of uh, postulate about that. You know that uh, C.S. Lewis believed in uh, creatures on other planets. He wrote 
uh, books, the Space Trilogy. I only read the first one of that. I'm blanking on what it's even called, but there's three books that he wrote uh, related to the idea of life on other planets. Billy Graham believed, he said, I think there's life. He, you know, not in a crazy way, but in a way that says, you know what? The universe is so huge and God's a creative God and he certainly created, you know, angels and other beings. Why not? Uh, the problem is, is we just don't know. The Bible doesn't say that he did. It doesn't say that he didn't, but it doesn't say that he did. We don't have a, we don't have a basis for, you know, biblically for saying yes or no. I think the basis we have scripturally is that God is fair. He is sovereign over the universe. He can create or not create if he wants to, right? He, and however God has revealed himself, if there were other, other places, let's, let's even talk about even on our, our planet, you know, sometimes missionaries go into old, you know, to tribes that have not modernized and start to fit in and start to share the gospel. And some of the things that they discover, there was one missionary and I, off the top of my head, I just don't remember the name. Um, but in that mission, that culture that they went into, they had a religious point of view that God had sacrificed his son for their sins, that they didn't know where that happened. They didn't know how that happened. They didn't have the story. They didn't have the biblical story, but they had a belief that God was a God of love, that they were saved by faith in believing that God had made a sacrifice for their sins. And it was a little more you know, complicated than that, but they had some kind of revelatory thought about salvation that this missionary was amazed by. And and they had traditions that showed this whole idea of God sending his, you know, his son or giving his son. And it's, it's not quite as clear as I'm making it here, but, but it was obviously something where somehow God had revealed himself to this tribe. Perhaps there was a missionary a long time ago that nobody knows about who showed up and shared the gospel, you know, or perhaps God has chosen to reveal himself in other ways, you know, that, uh, are necessary for those groups. We we don't know the answer, but what we know is that God is fair. We know that at the end, no one's going to say, God, this is unfair. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And so there's a whole lot of things that we don't know and we don't understand. But I think it's, it is a, a blessing to realize that, you know, God is in charge of all of that. And if he's decided to make life elsewhere, well, great. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll understand that one day. Uh, And if he's decided to make this whole universe and there's no life out there, just a bunch of rocks, uh, and that's it, and the only created life is right here on Earth, I tend to lean that way, not in any sort of uh, dogmatic sort of way at all, but the odds that when I read the, the scientists who talk about what's necessary for life as we know it, it is almost impossible that there is life anywhere else. It's, it should be impossible that there is life here. And the fact that there is, I think, points a lot to a creator, that everything is fine-tuned, that all of the, the way the solar system works and everything perfectly situates this planet for life. And it's hard to call that an accident. Just my thoughts. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. It is Open Line Friday. See, an Open Line Friday, we talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. In this case, we're talking about aliens. Before we're talking about Maui fires, I'm curious about, you know, our response to the troubles that happen in the world. You know, what do you think about this? To, to what lengths should we go 
to help other people, whether they're Christian people, people who are part of the church, or just people who are suffering somewhere else. You know, is the is the role of our country um, one where we should get more involved or less involved? Uh, and I don't really mean militarily. I'm not talking about war. I'm talking about suffering in the world. What are some things that if you're president, you're the one in charge, are there... Are there things that you would institute, policies, as far as our relationship to countries where there is great poverty or there is great suffering or there are natural disasters that happen? You know, our country, by the way, is great at responding to, national, to natural disasters. We are – it is amazing what the United States does for natural disasters that even occur in countries that are our adversaries or our enemies. We go in and help. You know, some of the greatest things about our history – is that we have rebuilt places that we have gone to war with. I haven't seen the the Oppenheimer movie, and I understand, and it ought to be, you know, horrifying the whole issue of the atomic bomb and all of that. But when you think about that World War II and the war with Japan and what happened from Pearl Harbor all the way to the atomic bomb, and then you think not too many years later, we're actually friends and allies, and we're good friends and allies today, like really good. That's remarkable. The it is remarkable historically that that's that's possible. It is it is amazing that the United States ha, is allies with Germany, right after, and that other countries are. I mean that and that's happened because of our leadership. It's amazing that we went and we rebuilt those countries that we had to bomb and and the devastation that the Nazis created. Uh, that's amazing. And I think as a country, we want to be friends with Russia and we want to be friends with China. Like we would like that to be the relationship. Um, I think that is an amazing thing about our country. I hope we don't lose that. I think something about our country, one of the reasons that people look to us, even to this day, remember all the American flags in Hong Kong when they were getting uh, protested, uh, all that protest and stuff that happened during the COVID, you might've missed that. But why were they flying American flags? With all of the trouble that we see in our own country, the world still sees us as hope. And there is a foundation for that. There truly is. And it has to do with uh, Judeo-Christian ethics and how we were founded and the, the course of history over hundreds of years that really led to the thinking we have. I got to go. I got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. When we come back uh, in Laguna Beach, they're talking about... Uh, making it a law that your dog needs to be quiet after a certain amount of time. And uh, we'll talk about that and take your calls on any subject, 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott, she'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. The city of Laguna Beach will soon enforce a new rule against excessive dog barking. Under the new ordinance, pet owners could pay hefty fines and citations. Welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. It is Open Line Friday. 888-528-2557 is the number. What do you think about, do you ever have a problem with a dog that lives next door? Now, I'm a dog person. I've always had dogs. We've got a dog now. His name is Winston. And uh, we love dogs. Love dogs. And one time, though, we lived next to some people, and their dog would bark all night long and direct that bark right into our house, it seemed like. 
Well, some people in Laguna Beach, I guess, have had it because they're changing some of the regulations to make it po- make it possible that you get in a lot of trouble if you don't take care of your dog. Now, this was unanimously voted on by city council, saying a nuisance report can be made if a dog barks nonstop for 30 minutes or if a dog barks intermittently for 60 minutes over a 24-hour period. So far this year, there have been about 70 nuisance dog barking complaints, but year over year, it's a little over 200 complaints, and there have been citations issued. Before now, there's never been a law to quantify what is excessive barking, so now they'll be able to tell 30 to 60-minute rule, and it will make it even for dog owners. Some dog owners, they say they have felt um, unjustly treated and targeted. However, at the city council meeting, one neighbor spoke. He said the ordinance would allow for a massive headache, saying residents shouldn't have to listen to 30 minutes of dog barking before being able to file a complaint, especially if it's consistently happening. I, I have to wonder, do you have to record it for 30 minutes? How do you know? So I guess if it's 30 minutes of consistent dog barking next door or somewhere, then you can file a complaint. Uh, and I, it does have to be more than once. There might be a creature running around, right, that's causing that dog to bark. There's other stuff. The dog that I'm talking about was next door, and it was most nights all night long. I mean, it was bad. I love dogs. I love animals. But I'll tell you what, I never would have done it, but I had all kinds of things in the back of my mind about what should happen to that poor dog. And I thought it was cruel that they were leaving him out. Honestly, I mean, how do they deal with it? They had to know their dog was outside barking all day. Do you ever have that kind of problem? I don't know. It was, uh, we called the dog Happy Joe. And it's so funny. We never really knew the dog's name. He was just Happy Joe. There's no reason why he was Joe. It's just that Happy Joe, because that dog was not happy. Not happy. Uh, there must be a reason, right? Why does a dog, maybe the dog just didn't want to be out, right? Why does a dog bark for hours? There must be something going on, like, psychologically. Anybody into that? Uh, I don't know. Let me know. 888-528-2557. Uh, I've had many sleepless nights. You know, that dog used to do that on Saturday night. So I was preaching Sunday morning and sometimes Saturday night all night long. That dog's going crazy. And uh, I, had to, I had to really wrestle with a lot of thoughts and uh, ask forgiveness. Couldn't really ask forgiveness to the dog, but, uh, you know, to the Lord. 888-528-2557, open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. 888-528-2557. James in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott, how are you doing? I'm good. James, how are you? I'm doing good, just uh, getting off of work. Uh, I just had a question, uh, just been concerning. Uh, just, I'll make it real quick. Um, so I attended this church that I got involved with. It's a local church where I live by, and it's uh, it's considered as they're Christians, but they're uh, evangelical. Okay. And I was wondering when I went in there, you know, I went in there one day because it was on a Sunday, and I haven't went to church for a while. I just moved nearby the city, and I'm I'm just asking myself, hey, I, I need to get to church. I need to, I need I just need to go. And I want to make sure that I'm attending the right church. But I looked it up on their site, and they're, they're considered as Christians. So I go in there, you know, and uh, you know, and you know, they were worshiping God and everything, saying the word. And I just didn't know. I noticed that there wasn't uh, a cross in there. And until afterwards, so I talked to the pastor. Um, they're considered as uh, uh, evangelical. Okay. I'm not sure. If you quite, and uh, and I asked him. I said, you know, what was the reason why? you know, you guys don't have a you know, cross in the church. And he said, well, it's, it became like more like a trend, like a cross, like where he believes that he thinks that um, it was put more to, for punishment and for like a cross. So people use it all the time. But then I told him, well, 
I mean, it's a reminder that God died for our sins on the cross. I mean, I don't, I don't see it in that way, but some of them don't have it and some of them don't. I mean, I, I know the word that they use is like spreading the good, the gospel of the word, but, uh, I just want to make sure that I'm attending the right church. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if there's a cross or not inside the church. Well, I, that's an interesting question because it, it really would be interesting to know a little more about kind of where they're coming from. So, I mean, I think the simple answer at first, James, is that the, the symbolism, we're never asked to have symbolism, right? So there's no rule that says you've got to have a cross or in the old days a fish you know, you you don't need to have symbols, and sometimes the symbols, you know, it could be that in that particular church, churches will fight over dumb things. Like, there could have been a fight about the location of the cross, the size of the cross, the type of wood the cross is made out of. I mean, sometimes the the that the even the cross can be a something that creates division in that body, and it's stupid. But it could be that they said, we're not going to have a cross because we're done talking about this. And there's nothing in the Bible that says you must have a cross or any symbol anywhere. Okay? So not having one uh, doesn't mean anything on its own. You know, I would I would want to know what do they believe happened on the actual cross? Right? What do they believe Jesus accomplished on that cross? Probably somewhere on that church. The church has, probably has a website. Have you been to the website? Yes, yes, I, I checked him out, and, yeah. uh, and I asked him, and I told him that I used to uh, attend Cottonwood, and you know, and he tells me that they are they are just on a diff- they have a different vision. I'm like, okay, what vision is that? I mean, what, what's the different vision from your church from theirs? I mean, we all worship the same God, right? We're we, you know we're talking about Jesus Christ now, and and he said that why have a big church with the like over two, 300 people inside a big church. Their vision is to make these men into disciples and spread churches all around through the, um, the cities. Okay. And, uh, and the symbol is a world with fire on it. Cause they say that when, you know, Jesus appeared to Moses, he, he came as a fire or to the bush. And that kind of resembles that in a way, but, in other words, like they're spreading the fire around the world, but like in a positive way of spreading the gospel. So I guess that's their way of seeing it. Um, well, in his in his eyes, that's how he sees it. And I asked him, I said, well, I mean, do you have a problem if I ever come in here wearing a hat with the cross on it? And he goes, uh, I don't I don't have a problem with it. He goes, I'm pretty sure my wife has a coffee cup with the, with the scripture and has a cross on it somewhere, you know, but they just think that. And I talked to a few of the, you know, the, the you know, for fellowship, I talked to a few of the guys who were like, okay, well, uh, we, you know, they just think that it's just, it's just more of a trend. Like everybody uses it and it's, it was more to like, mm. you know, a punishment. And, yeah. um, I, for me, for me, pastor, I, 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 I have the cross with no body on there because that's what the Catholics, you know, Jesus came off that cross, you know, mm-hmm. we know that, but yeah. the thing is, you know, we know what it represents and we, and he died for, because if he didn't, then how else would he explain, you know? And uh, like it says, uh, we got to pick up our cross sometimes, and we need to walk with God. You know, we fall shortly, and, you know, we backslide. And and uh, I, I believe that. Uh, to me, it's very important. I mean, not that we need to have it, but it just it's a good reminder. It's know? just it's something that, important. you know, what I would do is there's probably lots of churches in your area, and check out some other ones. You know, it doesn't mean that church is bad, but in a way, you want to make sure that you're not even distracted by 
some issue that some local congregation might have. Right. I mean, here, here's what I think you get. You need to really make sure about your church. Okay, that you're looking at. Uh, do they believe in biblical authority, meaning that the Bible is the authoritative and inspired word of God? That that with whatever the Bible means to say, not necessarily people's interpretation. Right. We can disagree on some things, but the the biblical authority is is that whatever it means. Whatever God meant it to mean, whatever the author meant it to mean, that's actually true, and I'm going to submit to it as I know that, right? Biblical authority says the Bible is the Word of God, and whatever it means is true. Do they believe that? Or do they believe that uh, I can take it or leave it? You know, there are certain people, certain churches you go to, and they're like, well, we believe the New Testament's true, but we don't believe the Old Testament's true. Or we don't believe in this miracle or that miracle, but we might believe in this miracle, right? Or we have this sexual ethic that we know is different from the Bible, but we think the Bible's old-fashioned, so we have a new sexual ethic, right? I wouldn't go to that church that doesn't think the Bible is true. Uh, You know, is part of their goal making disciples that grow in their faith, that eventually that, you know, a church that sees people come from not being believers to conversion to growing in their faith? Is that part of the the goal of the ministry, that people would receive Christ as their Savior and get baptized and and follow Jesus? Is that the goal, or is the goal just to be good people? Uh, you know, just to be good people, I would say that's not the goal. That's You be good people so that you're more effective evangelists, I think, is what you should do. Right there's yeah. a there's a few other things I would look at, but I would I would kind of start there, and you know when it comes to the cross, personally I like the cross, you know up there, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't go to a church and go well they don't have a cross I'm not coming, I, I'm really <laughs> more about what's being said and does it connect with what I think Jesus has called us to do, so I would focus on that, and if you're uncomfortable for some reason I think that might be the reason that we have so many different churches is that every church is not for everybody, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay. All right. Okay, Pastor. Well, thank you so much for your advice, and uh, you have a good day now, and God bless you, and thank you for all your information. All right. Thank you, James. I hope that's helpful. It's, a, it's an interesting discussion. I got one for you. I got to go to a break, but maybe you want to call and say this. Do you wear a cross? Do you wear it as jewelry, or do you have, uh, like James said, on a baseball cap? Or, you know, for you, what does the cross mean? Is it a, is it a reminder? Do you think that it is something that enhances your faith? Is it just jewelry? You know, it is... And it sounds like somebody at that church said, uh, well, that's the way they executed people. And that's true, by the way. It's an executioner's device. It would be, you know, you, if you take what happened on that cross off, it's the same as you could have a, you know, a uh, electric chair hanging around your neck or, you know, a, a locket that's shaped as a gas chamber or something terrible, right? It's It was an execution device. But the reason it is so meaningful to the Christian is that Jesus was executed in our place, and he rose again from the dead, giving us everlasting life. And what he did in that execution, that very unjust action that happened to him, an innocent person, a person found innocent in six different trials, declared innocent, still was executed. Why did that happen? That was the worst thing to happen, but also the best thing to ever happen. And the cross is very meaningful. What does it mean to you? Do you wear a cross? Do you you know, have one? What does that mean to you? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Friday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. 
Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. It is Open Line Friday. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Uh, question before the break I asked was, uh, do you wear a cross? Do you have cross like on a jewelry? Uh, does it matter to you if your church has a cross or not? What does the, the symbol mean to you? I don't mean like theologically, but I mean, does it, when you wear a cross, is it just jewelry or is it a statement? Is it just, you know, a piece of uh, art that you have or is it something that gives you comfort? Um, what do you, what do you think about that? 888-528-2557. Sophie in Pasadena, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you. Hi, Sophie. Go ahead. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm Armenian and I'm Christian and what, uh, I have been wearing, a cross around my neck for over 20 years and I'm 45 years old and it represents who I am and what I believe in. I'm proud I'm a part Christian, and that's what it represents to me. And I feel safe when I when I wear it. And most of the time when I pray, I have a little cross in my bed, and I always carry that on. It just gives me comfort. Do you feel like, so when you wear it, you, you want other people to know you're Christian. So there's a message yes. that comes with it for others. Yes, yes, and absolutely. Do yeah. You, and um, go ahead. I was going to say, what about, what do you think when other people who are not Christian wear crosses? A lot of people wear crosses. Um, I try my best not to judge them. It's hard to know if, why. Because uh, that's where because the, the torture device comes into play, right? If it's not a salvation symbol, then it's an interesting thing that we wear. True. Right. But um, as long as they respect the meaning of wearing a cross, I'm okay with that. But it bothers me when when they 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 wear the cross, but they just wear it just to wear it. But they, yeah. they don't even know they don't even know the meaning of it. It's like I I just I just don't like it. But I keep my opinion to myself, sure. and I try not to judge them. But for you, it's and, you want people to know you're a believer. That's the uh, it means yes. something more than just jewelry. Yes. Yes. Besides giving me comfort, I just want to show that I believe it, and I'm proud being Christian. Uh, quick, uh, something that I wanted to mention while I was listening uh, to your previous interviewer, um, when they said about they don't see the cross when they go to church. Yeah. Um, I go to church, um, Bible study, women's Bible study, and they rent specific area from a different church. Mm. So they don't have the cross, but yeah. the message is clear. It's exactly what you said. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. I feel connected but they don't have the cross that my Sunday Sunday church does. Yeah, and you know, it, th- there's no requirement. Lots of church plants are meeting in schools or community centers, or there's no cross. Uh, and uh, some places will bring one, some people don't. You know, it's it's the belief, it's your faith that matters. You know, and our, yes. is the teaching consistent with that and with the, what the scriptures have to say? That's That's what yeah. matters. All right. And additionally, I think because growing up, I've always seen cross, houses or the places that I go when I see the cross, it just gives me comfort. Yeah. So now that I'm a mom, when I go, I just look for the cross. And once I see the cross, I just feel, I feel safe and comfort and knowing that I'm connected to those people, especially if it's a new place. Yeah, I understand that. Sophie, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. I do that. I go someplace in somebody's house or something, and there's a cross on the wall, and I'm like, oh, 
that's probably not just a piece of art. It probably represents uh, what you believe. Uh, maybe not always, but I think a lot of the time. 888-528-2557. Open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. Anna in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi. Hi. Uh, <clears throat> hi, Scott. Hi, Anna. Yeah, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, when they uh, the kids go to school and then, uh, uh, like when I was a little girl, I used to always be fascinated by the the grown-up girls, and um, I just thought that, you know, they had makeup on, they could look so cute, and they were grown up, and I wanted to be grown up, and that's not because I was in love with them, it was because I I thought they were, you know, just grown up, and I right. wanted to be like that. Okay. So now, just because somebody has that kind of feeling about somebody doesn't mean they want to be a girl, or a boy, or whatever, you know what I mean? And so I thought that was kind of strange, and then they say that they... If your child thinks that, then they they can take the child away from you and say it's it's because you don't agree to have them trans. Uh, what do you call that? A transition. So there's uh, there's yes, some exactly. legislation uh, that would uh, potentially do that, where they're going to say it's yeah. abuse as a parent yeah. if you don't let your kid exactly. uh, transition. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, yeah. very wrong. Kind of what you're describing, thank you for your call, Anna, is kids have, you know, feelings and stuff. There's, there's, in this whole issue, it's a, it's a lot different if you are, and I'm not saying you should do this, but if you let your child cross-dress, right, and they start to dress or act like the other sex, that's a lot different than actually providing them puberty blockers or other medications or surgeries for something that most kids outgrow. Like the most kids, you know, the purpose of puberty anyway is to bring you through that period of your life where you work those things out. Uh, it is, and, and that is the thing about it that I think, and what lots of places are beginning to think. In fact, there's some evidence that even in the United States, we're going to rethink it. In Europe, they're rethinking it in a big way. You know, there's something, there's a difference between what's called evidence-based medicine and consensus-based medicine. Okay, evidence-based medicine is an approach to medical practice that emphasizes the integration of the best available scientific evidence with clinical expertise and patient values and those kinds of things. Uh, consensus-based um, medicine involves making medical decision based on expert opinion, consensus statements, and clinical guidelines that are developed through expert panels or committees. The United States and the American Medical Association and other groups are more likely to be consensus-based and not evidence-based. And there, there's actually advantages to both, okay? But when we're talking about surgeries, when we're talking about altering your physical body and doing things that no matter what happens, you become a medical patient for life, wouldn't you rather have evidence-based medicine? Because there are things in the consensus-based medicine where they're just wrong. You know, a lot of the things that were said in the COVID, you know, we know now we're, we're not right. And they were, you know, there's some people who might have had uh, some nefarious things that they wanted to say. And then there's conspiracy theories on all sides. But there was a genuine approach to certain things. The shutdowns, the schools and stuff were at first anyway, that it was consensus. And that consensus was wrong and it did damage. And then the, you know, particularly with the schools and kids going out of school and to hold on to that consensus when the evidence said, hey, this isn't right. Uh, that was bad. And that's what I feel like is wrong in the 
the trans the transgender medical discussion is that it's consensus based medicine where we say, oh, that's the best for the kids, where the evidence that's growing is saying that it's not. That's why in European countries where they're more evidence based in their the way they perform, they're slowing it down. They're stopping it. They're reversing course. Uh, I think that we're going to get there. And uh, but I this it's it matters a lot on that issue. And I think we all know that as kids, kids get confused about things and kids like I've said in youth group, we had kids go through a church youth group that are something different every year. You know, they were gay one year, they're straight one year, they're they're bi the next year, they're whatever it is the next year. And then they graduate. And almost every time they were straight, a couple of times they were gay, uh, but they worked out something you know, during that period of time, none of them had, uh, as far as I'm aware, any medication or anything going on matters. All right. 888-528-2557. Time for one more call. Todd Huntington Beach. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. How you doing, Pastor Scott? Good, Todd. We just have a few seconds. All right. Hey, um, just two words, what you're talking about on the crosses. Uh, I wear, uh, well, I don't wear, I have a tattoo of a cross on my arm and I find it a way to witness to people. And anyone that wears a cross, I, exactly. And, and that gives you the chance to kind of open up to them and let them know your beliefs too. But the only time it offends me is when someone wears an upside down cross. That's when they would offend me. What does if that mean? Is, that, is, believe, it, is it deliberately mocking it? Oh, yes, yeah. for sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are definitely people who do that. Uh, Todd, thanks for your call. We're out of time for today. You know, I think for a lot of people, it's a good subject even for another day is why do you wear a cross? What does it mean to you? We'll talk about that another time. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast wherever you get your podcasts or go to kkla.com. You can also watch this, although you can't watch it today, interestingly enough. Uh, But most of the time we live stream it at kkla.com. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. It's great being with you. We'll see you on Monday from 3 to 5 in the Pastor Scott Show. Good night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com